Let's turn tonight in the Word of God to the last book of the Bible, the book of the Revelation. It's chapter 20, solemn words, the last part of the chapter beginning at verse number 11. Over the last number of weeks, you'll be well aware that in and connected with our church family, there have been a number of funeral services, and we thank the Lord that as far as we know, all of the people that have left this scene of time knew and loved the Savior. And that makes such a difference, but it does remind us, doesn't it, of the brevity of life, of the certainty of death, of the reality of eternity. And I want to speak tonight very simply and very solemnly, very frankly and very forthrightly about the judgment throne of God, the great white throne judgment. You'll find our text tonight beginning at verse number 11 down to the end of the chapter. So let's follow along, keep your Bible open, whether you're a believer tonight or still without the Savior, I encourage you to keep your Bible open and look at the Scripture references yourself as we quote them, as we read them, because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. That's the most important thing. Have your Bible open. If nothing else, it keeps the preacher honest. And let's read the Word of God together. Revelation chapter 20, verse number 11. A window has been opened in heaven in glory and into eternity. And John is seeing all of these eternal realities before him. And here he sees the final judgment for the unsaved. Revelation 20, verse number 11. John testifies, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose faith the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. God will bless to his own glory and for his own name's sake the reading of his precious, precious truth. Let's pray together briefly and pray that the Spirit of God will come and do something in hearts that will count for time and for eternity. Let's pray together. Father, we pray tonight that the Spirit of God will come and take full control of the rest of this meeting. Pray, O God, that Thou wilt be pleased, Lord, to minister in this meeting. Speak to hearts, grant help and enablement, Lord, in the preaching and in the hearing of thy word. And Father, I pray that you will take this earthen vessel, this jar of clay. I ask, O oh God, that you will break me, melt me, 
mould me and fill me, and may the Spirit of the living God fall afresh upon me. Lord, we pray tonight for those that are listening, whether it's literally in the meeting or virtually online or maybe at some other time, for those that are not yet saved. Father God, we pray in Jesus' name that thou will draw them to the cross and grant, O God, that they might be changed by the grace of God and enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ and know the power of his cleansing blood. We pray tonight that every single one of us will be ready to meet the Lord and be on the right side of the Savior on that great day of judgment. So, Father, hear and answer prayer. Pour out the Spirit of God and glorify and magnify the Savior. For it's in his name and for his glory we pray. Amen. I want to speak tonight for a little while, as we have said, very simply and very solemnly about that moment, yet future, when God will say, as it were, to the impenitent sinner, this was your life, and the books will be opened, and the dead who stand now before God, and that proves that death is not the end of existence. Death is merely a door that opens us to eternity. The dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened. You know, many years ago, some of you might remember a, a program on television. The presenter was a man called Eamon Andrews. And then later on, he was taken over, I think, by Michael Aspel. And the, the show was called This Is Your Life. And oftentimes it would be a, a celebrity, maybe a sporting star or a, a singer or an author or an actress or a politician, somebody that was famous and well-known. And then suddenly the presenter would burst onto the, the scene wherever they were and would present them with this big red book and would say their name and then they would say, this is your life. And at last they'd be brought before a a television audience and the book would be opened and photographs would be shown and a little biographical sketch of their life would be given and then at the end they would get a round of applause and by and large it was all happy and it was all a, a great atmosphere. And yet the guest most likely had a choice as to whether they wanted to appear on air or not. The record of their life was certainly not full. It was just a, a whistle-stop tour of the salient points in their life. It was certainly not a full record. And not only that, but generally it only highlighted the good things. Well, dear friends, tonight there is coming a day whenever you will be ushered before a great audience made up of men and of angels. And you will stand in the spotlight of God's judgment. And the Bible says the books will be opened. And your whole life from beginning to end will be revealed. The things that you thought were done in secret that no eye saw. God has recorded it all. Now the Word of God speaks about several judgments within the pages of the Bible. There is what we could call the judgment of believers' sin upon the cross. Remember how the Savior, before he went to the cross, said, Now is the prince of the world judged. And on that cruel cross outside the city wall, 
The Lord Jesus Christ took the sin and the punishment and the justice and the judgment of his people upon that cross. The Bible says he bore our sins upon his own body upon the tree. So there's the judgment of the believer's sin on the cross. And then there's also what we might call the believer's self-judgment. The Bible says, judge yourselves that ye be not judged. And whenever a believer comes to sit at the Lord's table and break bread and partake of the communion cup, the Bible says, let a man examine himself. It literally means let a man judge himself in light of Holy Scripture, whether or not you're found in Christ and walking with him. And then there's also the judgment of a believer's works. 2 Corinthians 5 speaks about us all, all believers that is, standing someday at the judgment seat of Christ, the great beam of judgment, where rewards will be dispensed to faithful servants of the Lord. The Word of God, I believe, also speaks in Matthew 25 and 32 about the judgment of the nations. Ezekiel 20 speaks about the judgment of Israel. Jude verse 6 and 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 3 speak about the judgment of the angels. And here in Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 12, we have the judgment of those who die in their sins without Christ. Now, there are different schools of thought as to whether these judgments happen separately or concurrently, some of them. But safe tonight to say there is a judgment for believers and there is also a judgment for unbelievers. And it's the judgment of the unconverted that I want to think about for a little while this evening. Now, it's very evident as we consider the verses that we have read together that there has been a resurrection because it says in verse number 13, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell, and the word translated hell there is the word for grieve, death and hell, delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And so there has been a resurrection, even of the unjust. You see, whenever somebody lives and dies without Christ, and their body is buried or cremated or maybe lost at sea or their ashes are scattered to the four winds or upon the waters, that is not the end. The Bible speaks about a great resurrection day. There will be a resurrection of the just and there will be a resurrection of the unjust. There will be a resurrection of the believer's body unto everlasting life and there will also be a resurrection of the unbeliever's body unto everlasting death. Whenever a believer sees the Lord and meets the Lord, the Bible says their body will be glorified. It'll be changed and translated and made like unto the Savior's body. Whenever an individual dies, whether they're a Christian or a non-Christian, the Bible says that their soul leaves the body and goes out into eternity. And the body is buried or it might be cremated, but it awaits the resurrection day. And whenever the body is resurrected, it is reunited with the soul. 
and then enters out into the great eternity. And it says here that the dead, and I believe the dead here refers to the ungodly, the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books. I'm convinced tonight that in this particular portion of Scripture, whenever it speaks about the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books being opened, it's speaking about those who were dead in sins, and also those who died in their sins. Now, all of us are born, spiritually speaking, dead. Ephesians 2 verse 1, You have he quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and in sins. That's why the Bible says you need to be born again, just as you were born physically, so you need to be born spiritually. Because naturally speaking, there is no life, no spiritual life in the natural man. We need to be born again, or to be translated, born of God, or born from above. And the Spirit of God entering in, and quickening us, and making us spiritually alive. And whenever a person is made alive spiritually, the vital signs of life will be seen. And they will become active rather than dormant. They will develop an appetite. They will have sight and speech and hearing and they'll be active and begin to walk. And whenever a person is born again, they, they do all of those things. They can see the Lord as He is. They can hear His voice speaking through the Word. They begin to breathe and, and desire to breathe in the oxygen of the Spirit of God. They desire to walk with God and fellowship with God and talk to God. And those are all vital signs of spiritual life. And so while we're all born dead in sins, some people are born again and live for Christ. And then they die in Christ. But there are others who never receive the Savior, who never turn from sin and get right with God and never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And the Word of God says of such in John 8 and verse number 21, that they will die in their sins. Not in somebody else's sins, but they will die in their own sins. And some of you tonight have never been converted. And my heart tonight is burdened to bring you this message, to exhort you to come to Christ and to get right with God so that whenever it comes, your time to die, and you will have time to die, that you'll die in Christ rather than dying in your sins. It says here, the dead, both small and great, will stand before God, and Jesus Christ himself will be the judge. John 5 and 22, the Savior said, that the Father hath committed all judgment to the Son. And this particular judgment is described as the great white throne judgment. The word great speaks of the magnitude and the majesty of this judgment. The fact that it is a white throne speaks about the purity and the righteousness of the judgment. And the fact that it is a throne indicates that judgment will be executed from this place of judgment. And you'll notice it says in verse number 11, that this great white throne and him that sat upon it, from whose face the earth and the heaven 
fled away. There will be a certain amount of dread and fear involved standing before a risen, glorified, and exalted Christ. It indicates here that this is the glorified Savior because they will stand before his face. Now, whenever he was on this earth, they stood upon his face. But whenever it comes to the great day of judgment, they will want to run from his face. It was Robert Murray McShane who said, On that day of judgment, the unconverted, the ungodly, as they stand before the great white throne, will have a desire to run even into the lake of fire itself, just to get out of the presence of this one who is so supremely righteous and so supremely holy. And once this huge assembly has been brought before the judge of all the earth, and it is surely one of the most awful and solemn scenes in all the Word of God, it goes on to say, listen to it, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. Not the book, but the books, plural. So at least two books will be opened. And then it goes on to say, and another book was opened. So now we've got at least three books opened at this great white throne judgment. Now what are the books that are opened? Well, I think tonight, if we're honest, we can really only speculate as to what these books are. But it says that the dead will be judged out of the things that are written in these books. These books that are in heaven. The dead will be judged out of the things that are written and recorded in these particular books. You see, you will not be judged by your own standards. You'll not be judged by your neighbor's standards. You'll not be judged by the standards of a church or a religious group or a religious cult. You'll not be judged by the standards of Stormont or Westminster or Brussels or White House. You will be judged by the standards of Almighty God. But what might these books be? I think tonight we could safely say that surely one of these books will be the Word of God itself. In John's Gospel, chapter 12, and verse number 48, the Lord Jesus Christ said this, He that rejecteth me, and receiveth not my words, hath one that judgeth him, the word that I have spoken. The same shall judge him in the last day. The word of Christ, the word of God Itself, I believe that this book someday will be opened and the unconverted will be judged according to the teachings of the Word of God itself. The law that it presents alongside the grace that it offered and the salvation that it presented and you'll be judged according to the law of God, judged according to the Word of Christ, were you stood in relation to Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments? Were you stood in relation to Mount Calvary, the place where the penalty of the law was born in the body of the Savior? And then I believe as well, the Lamb's Book of Life will be opened. Now I make a distinction tonight 
between what is called here the book of life and between what is called elsewhere in the book of the Revelation, the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb's book of life is spoken of in chapter 13 and verse number 8. It says, all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. And that's speaking of the Antichrist. That's speaking of the little horn. That's speaking of the great man of sin. That's speaking of the beast, this world ruler that will stand in the earth in the last days and show himself in his own mind to be God himself. And the world will wander after the beast. And it says in Revelation 13, 8, All that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So the only people who will not worship the Antichrist are those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life or the book of life of the Lamb. This book is also referred to in chapter 21 of Revelation and chapter, tw chapter 21 of Revelation and chapter 27. There shall in no wise enter it. This is the celestial city, the new Jerusalem, the very hub of the heavenly kingdom of itself and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life the only people that will be in heaven itself are those whose names are written and recorded in the Lamb's book of life so I believe that the books that are opened is the Word of God itself. And then the Lamb's Book of Life. The great role of all who know and love Jesus Christ and have rede been redeemed by His blood. And then this other book that's opened that it speaks of. Another book was opened, which is the Book of Life. And the dead were judged out of those things written in the book. And I believe tonight that the Book of Life is the book of all who have ever lived upon this earth. Their names and their lives recorded within this great book of life. And then ultimately, if that book does not correspond with the Lamb's book of life, their names are erased from the book of life itself. I don't believe tonight it's possible for the name of a Christian, a believer, for their name to be erased out of the Lamb's book of life. Because whom the Lord saves, he saves fully and he saves finally. But it's possible to have your name in the book of life and then to be written out and blotted out of the book of life. Those who lived and died without Christ and without a Savior, the Word of God simply says that their names will be blotted out. Chapter 22, verse number 19, If any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. We read as well away back there in the book of Psalms, Psalm 69, and verse 28 concerning the ungodly. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not be written with the righteous. So there's a distinction. Not written with the righteous. Name not written in the Lamb's book of life. 
But at the same time, their name blotted out of the book of the living. Did you ever wonder why in Luke chapter 16, whenever the Savior told that story about the rich man and Lazarus, that a lot of detail is given about the rich man, but nothing is said of the rich man's name. But Lazarus, poor and despised and rejected though he was, his name is recorded. But the name of the rich man is never given. It's because the name of the rich man in eternity counted for nothing. The Bible says the name of the wicked shall perish. But the name of the just is blessed. And friend, tonight only those whose names are not blotted out and whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life will be in heaven itself. For all eternity those who die in their sins will be forgotten of God. And it will be as if they have never existed. And the Lord will choose not to remember them and choose not to be gracious unto them. Can I ask you tonight, is your name written in heaven? Jesus Christ our Lord said to his disciples, whenever they spoke about the power and the authority they had, even to cast out devils, he says, rejoice not that the spirits are made subject unto you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. God says concerning his people, I have graven you upon the palms of my hands. Just as the high priest in Israel wore a breastplate upon his heart with 12 stones and engraved upon each of those 12 different stones was the name of each one of the 12 tribes of Israel. And then there were great straps that went over his shoulders that held that breastplate in place. And it reminds us tonight that the Lord Jesus Christ carries his people upon his shoulders. Just as that shepherd, when he found the hundredth sheep that had gone astray, he lifted it and he laid it on his shoulders rejoicing. But he also has our names close to his heart. And he has our very names upon his palms. Wherever before him, wherever on his heart, wherever safe upon the shoulders of our Savior. Friends, tonight the idea is that God is a God who keeps his books. God is a faithful and a just bookkeeper. Nobody is able to tamper with these books. Nobody is able to take these books out of the Lord's hands and doctor them and rewrite them and try to erase history. Friends, it'll not happen. Everything that you have said and done since you first drew breath is recorded. It's written down. Now you can erase text messages. You can erase emails. You can erase voice messages. You can delete your cookies if you like. You can shred papers and you can shred letters and you can shred bank statements and you can burn your paper trail if you like. You can burn photographs and videotapes and DVDs and CDs and and pen drives and all the rest of it. And you can even to some degree erase things from your own memory. But you cannot of your own strength erase one jot or one tittle from what God has recorded in heaven. The Bible says here in verse number 12 of Revelation 20 that this great judgment will be according to works. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. 
Now this isn't to weigh up our good works against our bad works. This isn't to look at the dead, small and great and say, well, have they done enough to get into heaven? Because the word of God says it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy that he saved us. That is one of the devil's great lies. That is one of the great lies of false religion. That it's about your works and your effort and your religion and your church and your creed and your ordinances. Whatever you've gone through and whatever you've done, if you do well, you'll get into heaven. The word of God says nothing about that. Rather, it says in Ephesians chapter 2, you're saved by grace through faith and not of works, lest any man should boast. But this great white throne judgment is going to be according to works. The works, the deeds, the actions that the sinner outside of Christ is still under. Did you know tonight that God in heaven only deals with the human race under one of two covenants. The child of God, the Christian, is under what we could call the covenant of grace. They have realized I have no righteousness of my own. They realize I have broken God's law. And there is nothing that I can do to make it right before God. But they have discovered that a Savior came who lived a perfect life on my behalf and thereby secured for me a perfect righteousness. And having done so, went to a cruel cross and on that cross died in our place and died for our sins and cancelled out as a thick cloud all of my transgressions. And if I'm ever to be right with God, it is only by grace that I can enter, only by grace that I can stand, not by my human endeavor, but by the blood of the Lamb. And God looks at his people as being under a covenant of grace, saved by grace, kept by grace, redeemed by the grace of Almighty God. Praise God for his grace, the God of all grace. I'm under a covenant, a promise tonight, a contract with God. And friends, it's all of grace. It's all of God. Salvation is off the Lord. But if you're not under a covenant of grace, God still views you tonight as being under a covenant of works. God made that covenant with Adam in the Garden of Eden. Whenever God made a, a contract with him and says, if you obey me, you will live. If you sin against me, you will die. If you eat of that forbidden fruit, You'll lose out with God. You'll be separated, Adam, from me. You'll die spiritually. And unless you're in Christ, you're still in Adam. And the Bible says, in Adam all die. Everything that we do until we meet Christ is marred and tainted by our sins. And that's why our works can never save us. Because we have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. And our very best works, our righteousness, the Bible says, are as filthy as rags. And the scripture says, in Adam all die, and you'll be judged according to your works. Furthermore, the Bible says, you'll be judged according to your words. Matthew chapter 12, 36, the Son of God said again to the religious people of his day, every idle word that men speak, 
they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Isn't that a solemn, th solemn thought? Every idle word that men speak, every loose word that men speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Whenever you make a promise but you don't keep it, God says you'll give an account. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, it's better that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. God is no delight, he says, in fools. Do you see the great scrutiny of this judgment? The books are opened. What God says in his word about the law, about grace. And then what God saw, says about your life. Every word and every work's recorded. Now friends, in closing, let me just say a few very quick things about this great judgment for the unconverted. This judgment tonight will be full. The judgment will be full. God will not ignore certain sins. God will not sweep certain sins under the carpet. The judgment will be full. And you'll be held to an account. The Word of God says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, 15, God requireth that which is past. I can remember a good number of years ago, a, a Christian lady uh, passed away. I was asked to conduct her funeral. Her husband was an enemy of the cross. He hated the gospel. He wouldn't grant her her funeral wishes that she had made in advance. He wouldn't allow her to have a church burial. He wouldn't allow her to be buried in the plot that she had purchased for herself in the churchyard. And he just arranged to have a very short service at the house. And then a short committal at the graveside and tried to squeeze me so that I couldn't preach the gospel. But friends, I took that opportunity that day and stood at a graveside in Port Stewart and preached the word of God from Romans chapter 14 and verse number 12. Every one of us shall give an account of himself before God. About a year after that, I got a phone call from a lady. She had been brought up in the Church of Ireland and sent to Sunday school. But by her own admission, she hadn't been to church for years upon years. And she says, the first thing I have heard of the word of God was the day you preached at that funeral service. And she said, I haven't been able to get that text of scripture out of my mind. I want you to come and point me to Christ. And I remember going to that lady's home and opening up the word of God. And she simply, quietly in her home, trusted the Savior. And I wouldn't be surprised if she's listening into the service tonight. And she's been going on with God ever since. Because she realized there's a day of judgment coming. And I'm going to stand before God and give an account of this life. And I'm not able and I'm not ready to do that. I need a Savior. Someone that can cleanse me and forgive me and set me free. Dear friends, the judgment will be full. Not only will the judgment be full, but the judgment will be fair. This is a great white throne judgment god is a god of equity god is a god of justice god is a god of fairness god is a god of righteousness god will only judge you for the things that you have done he will not judge you for things that other people have done he will only judge you as an individual for the things that you have done and for the things that you ought to have done but have left undone the judgment will be fair. The scripture says every mouth shall be stopped. Nobody will be able to barter or offer excuses 
or argue with God and say that he got it wrong whenever the books were opened and your name is read out and your works are recorded, you will have to acknowledge, yes, that's my life. That's the life that I lived. Everything that's recorded, God, in your book is true and right and accurate. It's not embellished. It's not exaggerated. It's not diminished. It's fair. The scripture says that there's nothing secret that shall not be made manifest. The judgment will be firm. The judgment will be fair. The judgment as well will be faithful. It'll be simply according to what God has written in the word that he has already given. I don't believe that God's going to bring out some new revelation that you or I didn't know about. God's going to bring out this old book. And the law that he gave thousands of years ago. And we're going to be judged faithfully. According to what God says in his precious word. And that's why week after week, month after month, year after year. The word of God is opened Lord's Day by Lord's Day from this pulpit. So that everybody knows what the word of God says. And what God requires of you. This throne is white, it's pure and it's true. Not only is the judgment full. Not only is the judgment fair, not only is the judgment faithful, but friends, the judgment will be final. It'll be a once for all judgment. It'll be complete. There will be no retrials. It'll just be like the work of the Savior upon the cross. Once for all. It'll never have to be revisited. It'll never have to be reopened. There'll never have to be a retrial because God's judgment will be right. Whenever the Savior was on the cross and he paid the price for sin, he cried out and said, it's finished. It's done. Or as the book of Hebrews says, that this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. God's judgment tonight will be final. But I believe as well there's a sense in which God's judgment will be according to privilege. I believe these books that are going to be opened will be books that will have recorded every gospel opportunity that God gave you. Did you know tonight that there are degrees of punishment? The Word of God says in the Gospel of Luke chapter 12 and 47, And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. Those who have never heard will be judged. But they will not be judged as severely as those who knew the truth and rejected it. Why should you hear the gospel twice whenever there are many tonight that have never heard the gospel once? That's why the Savior said to the people of Capernaum and Bethesda and those great privileged cities that it shall be more tolerable. Not tolerable, mind you, but just a little bit more tolerable for Sodom and for Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for those cities like Capernaum that were exalted to the very gates of heaven and had the Savior himself stand in their streets and perform miracles and shine as the light of the world and preach the gospel and exhort people to come and put their faith and trust in him. Dear friends, whenever the books are opened and God says, this is your life, there will be no adjournments because it's appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. There will be no adjournments. There certainly will be no annulments. 
It will happen. John, from his perspective, is looking forward into eternity. And this is absolutely settled. John sees it as if it has presently happened and is happening. There will be no adjournments. There will be no annulments. There will be no appeals because it will be too late for appeals and plea bargains. There will be no alibis. None to stand at your side and verify your excuses. There will be no attorneys to fight your corner. There will be no advocates to plead with the judge and get you off the hook. There will be no arbitration to try to get an independent referee. There will be no apportionment to share the blame. There will be no ambiguity. The judgment will be clear-cut. There will be no anonymity. Nowhere to hide. There will be no amnesty. No pardon. No acquittal. Sin still in the record. And certainly no awards to soften the blow. Your life has been recorded, friend, from the moment that you were born right up until this very present hour. I wonder tonight, I believe it to be true, that these words that you're being presented with are being recorded in heaven. God giving you an opportunity on the first Lord's Day evening of the first day of January of 2023, God says there again, you had an opportunity to put your faith and trust in a loving Savior and enter into newness of life. And there will certainly be nowhere to hide. It says in verse number 11, from whose face the earth and the heaven they tried to flee away. They fled away. And yet what an awful end is found for them. In verse number 14. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book, Lamb's book of life. Written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The only way to avert this awful event is to come to Christ. Many years ago in America, some of the settlers traveling west were heading towards the state of California. The wind was on their backs and they were passing across some of those great prairies. Somebody looked behind them and they cried out and they said there's smoke on the horizon and a great fire was spreading, sweeping across the prairie, being carried by the wind to catch them in their backs. A wise man said, light a fire in front of us. And somebody says, well, that would be foolish. We'd get burned from both sides. And he says, it's our only hope. Light a fire in front of us in the direction that the wind's going. And so they lit a fire in front of them. And that fire began to spread very, very quickly and scorched and burned that dry prairie grass in front of them. And whenever the fire then was coming behind them, that wise man said, step into the ashes of the fire that we've just lit. And that little group of people stood into the ashes and they huddled together as the hot flames came closer and closer and closer. And at last a little girl cried out and she says, we're going to get burned alive. And the man that had cried for the fire to be lit says, no, we're safe. And whenever the fire reached the scorched earth in front of them and all around them, it just bypassed them because, friends, they were standing where the fire had been. They were standing in the ashes. There was nothing left to burn. And whenever a child of God stands 
in the shadow of the cross, stands upon the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. We are standing, friends, where the fire has been. We're standing upon the ashes of the finished work of the cross because Jesus Christ has borne the wrath and the fire of God completely, fully and finally. And God is just. And God cannot payment for sin twice demand. First at my bleeding surety's hand. And then again at mine. Christian, tonight, aren't you glad you're standing where the fire has been? Aren't you glad tonight, as you stand on the threshold of a new year, that you're in Christ, under his wings, cleansed and redeemed by his blood, standing upon the grounds of redemption, washed in the Lamb's blood, wedded as the Lamb's bride, and your name written in the Lamb's book. If you're not a Christian tonight, that can be your experience. I encourage you to come. Put your trust in this wonderful Savior. Enter into newness of life. Because folks, all roads by and by lead to the judgment. Either the great white throne for the unconverted. Or the judgment seat of Christ, the beamer for the believer. I wonder tonight where you're headed. Make it right with God tonight. Respond to Christ's invitation. Come to him. Trust him. Cast yourself upon him and leave this meeting tonight a new creature in Christ, ready for heaven and ready for home. Thank you tonight for listening. Your attention has been a real blessing. We appreciate that so much. We'll